0: Thank you for having me
1: Joe hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and with me is Michael Shore Michael welcome
0: thank you for having me
1: you know, this is exciting. No, it's not.
0: We're doing the <laughs> draft. It's time for the draft podcast, so we, so you people, have to say this is exciting at the beginning of every podcast, no matter what, because if you don't, it's like, uh, uh, will people know if it's exciting or not? You no, know what I mean? Won't. Like it, people they, need to know that it's exciting. And if you don't tell them, they won't, they won't know.
1: They won't know. And they'll be like, this one must not be exciting.
0: I guess this wasn't, I can skip this one. It's not exciting. <laughs> it's
1: not exciting. And, and, and we don't, we don't want anybody skipping uh podcast. So uh, people understand that we now do two podcasts which we release simultaneously correct uh, the first one we've called the mothership the mothership podcast uh, we hope you heard that it was it was one of the best we've ever done I got that. It.
0: that's where you can find your segments if you're if you're a podcast <laughs> fan who loves segments yes you go to the mothership if you're a podcast fan who loves drafts you yes. go to the draft podcast and if you're a podcast fan who love both you just push play on uh, on Apple Podcasts or, or the Meadowlark, the Levitard feed, and you just let it run. You just let it run for hours and hours and hours, and you get, <laughs> you get everything that we have to offer.
1: Yeah. Now, we used to do these all in one podcast, uh, but the Meadowlark people put an absolute end to that. They just said, they said, stop
0: just i don't want to it's it's this is a family show and i don't want to repeat the language that they used but it was it was was aggressive and it was scary it was it was
1: it was legitimately scary uh it was it 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 was if you did not hear the mothership podcast uh we did compare it to uh wilford brimley and the firm but if you want wilford (laughs) brimley material you got to go to the mothership. That's where. That's, that's where, where you're gonna find.
0: That's it. where you're gonna get your weekly Wilford Brimley update. That's
1: <laughs> right. That's right. So you're not getting that here. We are doing our draft, and our draft is this week. Uh, very simple. Uh plays and sports we hate.
0: Basically, yeah. is that is that right? Least I mean, le- least favorite sports plays. So not not things sport. things about the leagues or ways right. that the leagues are run, but actual on field or on court or on ice. Plays, yes. That we that we detest and, and, for and These reasons. are
1: not specific plays. Like we can't say, like I can't say, like uh, you know the the Michael Jordan shot over Craig ELO. It's not specific right. plays. It is the genre of play. Correct. And I'll start us off so we can so we can uh, fully understand the, this ridiculous draft uh, with the first pick that I think is so obvious. It's it it goes beyond saying. But there's no way I can't take it with the first pick. Uh, My least favorite play in all of sports uh, is is fairly well known is the intentional walk. And uh, I hate the intentional walk on many, many, many levels, uh, including some that we have uh, we have uh, argued about here on the podcast, because I hate the concept of the intentional walk. So that's that's the first thing. Then the second thing is I hate that the intentional walk is so often used in strategically ridiculous ways, which you hate. Like you hate the intentional walk as a bad strategy, which is, which it often is. In fact, most often is. Uh, More often than not, the intentional walk is poor strategic thinking. Yeah, Uh, But I hate it even when I would like generally agree with the strategy, not because I disagree with them doing it, but because I hate the play. I think it's anti-competitive. I think baseball uh, should have some sort of buffer preventing uh, it from being used. At, like, like to me, nothing is more frustrating, I think, as a fan. I imagine, I have in my mind this fan who, grew, who lives somewhere in Pennsylvania. They're a huge, huge Phillies fan. Uh, they listen to the games, watch the games every day. They're 14 years old. Uh, they asked their dad and mom to like, can you take me to a Phillies game someday? I mean, they're they're like, we're three hours away. We can't get there. And he begs and pleads. And then he finally, uh, they say, the mom says, yes, I'm going to take you to a Phillies game. They're playing the Mets. It's going to be great. You go to the game and the Phillies and the Mets and it's the seventh inning. And uh, there are two runners on and the, the Phillies are down three and up steps this young man's favorite player of all time, Bryce Harper and Mm -hmm. Bryce Harper steps in and then he gets the unbelievable glory of watching the umpire point him (laughs) first base and does not get to see Bryce Harper hit in that critical situation. So I hate the intentional walk on a larger scale, but I think we can also agree. It is so often used horribly, including by the way, the, oh, let's walk the bases loaded, intentional walk, which is obviously intended like, oh, you know, that sometimes it's to set up a double play. Sometimes it's set up a play at the plate, whatever. But it's like, how can you be so sure your pitcher is not going to walk the next guy? You can't be. And very often they do. Uh, so I hate it on a hundred levels.
0: I knew this was going to be your first pick and it is the right pick. It's, it is the, it is the, 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 if if there's a problem with baseball in general in terms of it how it relates to fandom it is that it's uh, that that it it doesn't create enough exciting moments that's right every time a football team gets within about 30 yards of the end zone you're excited yes. right because it's like ooh here we go and it's <laughs> they're already in field goal range and points are going to be scored and they're in the red zone and there's the chance of something really explosive and interesting happening the intentional walk is the opposite of that. Yes. It is, it's a team getting to within, getting to like the first and goal at the eight and then punting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's just, you're, you're getting so, you're, you're right up at the edge of the interesting thing happening and then you basically thwart that interesting thing yeah. from occurring. Usually, that, I'm talking about the scenario, obviously, where it's like you're the best hitter is coming to the plate or a good hitter is coming to the plate with runners on second and third or whatever. Right. So it's it's absolutely the right first pick overall. It's the worst play in sports, and and so 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 many times, so many times, the next hitter walks or is hit by a pitch, or there's a wild pitch, and the run scores anyway. It's like you are basically, it's it's a play in which you are saying to your pitcher, you have a small margin of error here, and we are taking that away. Yeah, (laughs) we're giving you you zero margin for error. Right,
1: we trust you to throw strikes in this ridiculously small margin of error situation, then we do that. You could get that guy out. We know yeah. you can't get that guy out. Like that's, yeah. that to me that's is a foregone
0: conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way you, you, there's no way you can do your job. So we're going to not let you try, but we're going to make you do that same job to the next guy with yes. less of a, less of a margin for error. <laughs> because, than you Because right
1: that guy is not as good as the other guy. And because that guy's not as good, we have a little more faith that you could get. Not, not a lot. We don't have a lot of faith in you,
0: but a little more faith. This guy gets on base 37.8% of the time. <laughs> and the next guy gets on base 35.6% of the time. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to make you get that guy out without any margin for error instead of trying to get this guy out with some margin for error. That's right.
1: No, that's right. We, we know if that guy comes to the plate, He's homering. We just know that we we yeah, we've
0: we, looked into the future and we've determined that, that he's going to hit a home run. So yeah. we're not going to let him. We're going to get the we're going to let the next guy get a single and win the game.
1: Yeah. And by the way, we talk about you behind your back. That's basically what it is. That's essential. And
0: by the is. way, we have the ability to time travel. And the thing we've used it for is not to go back in time and kill Hitler, but rather to go into the future and see that this guy hits a home run. So that's there's a lot. Go, there's a lot going on here. No, it's the right it's the right play. It's, it's it's the right pick. I mean, it's it's the worst play in sports. Um, it's damaging in like a 100 different ways. It's yes. damaging to the fan experience to the on to the on field experience. It's damaging, damaging, damaging. Boo should be outlawed forever. It's horrible. Um, all right. I'm going to make a slightly controversial pick with my first pick here. And Ooh. my fr- my first pick is is going to be the goal line fade <laughs> in football. Now, Mina Kimes, uh, who is an excellent football analyst for ESPN, so has been bad. on like a, a years long crusade against the goal line fade. And so yes. I'm kind of stealing her move here. But I've always hated the goal line fade because you're at the three yard line. It's usually like third and goal. It's either first and goal or third and goal for That's some right. reason. Never and, and basically what the goal line fade is to me is it, it reduces this moment of excitement to a coin flip. Yeah, it's just a coin flip and, and, and but it, it's like where I'm going to take one step back, throw the ball to the back corner of the end zone. It's one on one coverage. He's the only receiver out there. There's there's it's him against a cornerback. And I'm just going to throw the ball up and we'll just we'll flip a coin and yeah. either he catches it or the guy knocks it away or whatever. And There's something so anti-competitive about that. And I know like proponents of the goal line fade will say, no, it's perfect competition. It's one-on-one who's bigger, stronger, who can leap higher, whatever. But I think that if you look around the league right now, you'll see that the smart teams, the good teams, the innovative teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, do not they got completely rid of the goal line fade. And instead, they've developed like 60 different versions of like Mahomes takes the snap and the shotgun. Takes a step to his right, Travis Kelsey comes around from the corner, Patrick Mahomes like flips the ball like behind his back <laughs> to, to, to Travis Kelsey. They've got seven different crazy blocking schemes to yep. like clear out the middle. And Kelsey slips through and scores a touchdown. And those plays have they, they're slowly being mimicked by other teams. There's a bunch of different but literally the Chiefs last night ran the option. Did you see that? That was wild. It was they were, crazy. It was, yeah. It was great, and Patrick Mahomes he ran to his right. He cut in uh, off his right foot. He cut toward the goal line, drew the defender who was who was shadowing him to him, flipped the ball to I think Edwards Elair, yeah, who then like waltzed in very easily. And it was and it was like yes, this is so much. This is like an actual plan. Like the goal, the the my beef with the goal line fade is it feels like you have no plan. It feels yeah. like you're like I don't know. I'll just throw it up and see if that guy catches it. And and it's so boring and so lame and it and it really like it it's in those moments where like you are three yards from the end zone the other team has their goal line defense in everybody is on the line of scrimmage there's no deep safety help because there's no reason to have deep safety help right there's just everybody it's just like all of our guys are here all of your guys are right there what is laudable and what gets rewarded is innovation and goal line fades are the opposite of innovation it's just take one step back, throw the ball in the air, and see if someone catches it, and I really hate it.
1: No, it's awful. It's awful. I totally agree with you. By the way, did you see the other goal line play that the Chiefs ran where they had Mahomes <clears throat> drop back like 10 yards before the snap, and then Kelsey stepped in to run the Wildcat, and yeah. then Kelsey just literally ran straight up the middle for a, for a touchdown. I mean, it was... Yes,
0: they've got... it. Really, Andy Reid is so... Happy when he gets to design goal line plays. He's, he's like, no one is, no one is made happier by anything than Andy Reid in his office every week, going like, "Ooh, what if we have, what if we bring in five fullbacks and we put them all on one side of the field, and, and then the ball gets snapped to the right guard who then flips the ball like like a hook shot and <laughs> is caught by Patrick Mahomes. It's just, he just awesome. is so, so he is so happy and it's so fun and it's yeah. so interesting." and the goal line fade is the diametrical opposite of that kind of innovation.
1: Well, what was the play the Chiefs play ran where they all spun around like the Temptations like all at the same time? <laughs> Remember that play? That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> the other thing about the goal line uh fade that I hate. First of all, <clears throat> I mean and and Mina's thought I mean it doesn't work more yeah. often than not. I mean that's it's 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 not like it's a boring but effective play. It's a boring, but generally ineffective play. I mean, it it will work on occasion, but I mean, it's more often than not, that guy knocks it away. It does not, or you overthrow it. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong with the goal line, uh, including like totally overthrowing it totally, you know, getting it knocked away, even if it's perfect and all that. But the other thing is when it doesn't work, which is whatever percentage of time that is, man, you feel like that was a wasted down. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, like you just feel like, God did really like that was the best thing you could come up with in that moment. And, and it's always like, it's so often on third down. So you're like, why did you just kick the field goal on third down? I mean, like that just, it just feels,
0: it feels so, like you're giving up. It, it just feels, feels like, like you're like, I, we don't have anything better to do. So just like flip the ball up in the air and see if my guy catches it. And it's, it's like, look, if you have DK, uh, DK Metcalf, lined up against like a five foot seven inch corner or something Uh, okay but generally speaking it's like that everybody knows that it's an option like if you isolate a a receiver to one side and it's one-on-one then okay yeah yeah, they know it's coming man just don't just do something else just do something else for god's sake and by the way
1: why don't they run it like not on the goal line if it's such a good play (laughs) Like you, you don't see people like on first down running this fade. I mean, like, like, like quite to that extent, it's always black back shoulder or, or, you know, it's, it's, you don't see, Hey, first and 10 from the 20 quarterback, one step back lob pass to, to the receiver, you know, without yeah. looking, without even it looking.
0: also, it always feels like if they gestured toward the fade and then just cut in and ran a slant, it was well, like the other a thing. wide open touchdown. Yes. Like <laughs> it just, it always seems like there's a better option. It's
1: got to be a better option. All right. With my second pick, I know this is one that you uh, like, uh, but I'm going to take it because there's a specific moment this happened. Uh, Hate, 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 hate the third down draw play, right? The third down and nine draw play that never, ever works and and isn't even intended to work and is just a give up essentially. And I bring this up specifically because in this week's uh, Browns-Lions game, the Browns were winning thirteen to ten, uh, basically because uh, the Lions wouldn't let them lose. At this point, they were the Lions uh, started some guy I've never heard of a quarterback, and 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 yet we're still very much in the game and and in position to uh, to win. And then it was third and fourteen from their own thirty six. It wasn't even like they were deep in their own end. It was like thirty six, and they ran a draw play because they didn't trust the quarterback to throw. Which I don't know what what they thought, what was the worst thing that was going to happen They're Oh, and eight. I mean, oh, eight and one. I don't know what the worst thing was, but they ran the draw play. Of course he got stopped and then they let the clock run down and then they punted. And it was like, if I was a lions fan, I would, I, I, you know, look, I'm a Browns fan. I don't know how much worse it can get, but apparently it can get worse. You can be a lions fan. Cause if I was a lions fan during that moment, I would have just wanted to just, you know, find a pillow to scream into. It was awful. It happens more often than it should, it doesn't seem like it happens as much in the NFL anymore, but it still happens in college football. And it's, I it's to me, it's the antithesis of what football is supposedly coming to coming, which is much more of a, of a, of an offensive game. I mean, like, like there does not feel like that there's any third down that is impossible to pick up anymore in the NFL. Maybe that was true. In nineteen seventy eight or something, the third and nine was essentially you might as well punt. But now, I mean, third and fourteen, really? That's that that's not that hard to pick up. So hate the third down draw play.
0: That was gonna be my next pick. It's a yeah. truly terrible play. Oh. It's always it's like you you run the draw, you get it's third and fourteen, you get six yards, and then you punt. And it's like it's like would would you is that six yards of field position better? Yeah. Really? Is it is it really better that you're punting from your twenty seven instead of your twenty one? It's just yeah. it it I really hate all the plays in football where it feels like you're just giving up. You don't right. care. Right. Now the guy by the way, the guy who started for the Lions is named Tim Boyle. Yeah, he's in his fourth season out of eastern Kentucky. He had one of the great um uh, stat lines of the year in football. He was fifteen of twenty three, not bad. Yeah, right? Solid. Seventy seven yards. <laughs> He's 15 of 23 for 77 yards and two picks. It is a truly, I mean, good for him, man. I think it's his first game in the league. Uh, it, is. It, is, it
1: was his first start.
0: And so he, he's now forever. He can say like, I played in the NFL. I, I got into a game. I started a game. I got my team to within three points of a victory. Yeah. And but, then they, they didn't trust me. On third on And, and then they didn't trust me. Yeah. But it's like, Uh, If you're Dan Campbell, this is a side note. Let's let's check in on the Detroit Lions for a second. If you're if you're Dan Campbell, how are you not like, hey, we're going to go for it on every play. Every Every play. play." We're going to go. We're on third and 14. We're going to throw an 18 yard pass. And if we don't hit it, we're going to throw another one because there is you are not making the playoffs. You've pretty much locked up the first seed. You're you're, the, the Jets are two games ahead of you for the for the uh number one pick yeah uh i mean behind you i mean and i i just don't understand like why are you not like hey guys from here on out we're we're gonna be like that that high school coach who never punted we're just gonna go for it on every every play and and when there's a field goal opportunity we're gonna fake it every single time (laughs) we're gonna we're just gonna be we're gonna make this team a must watch team because we're gonna play crazy like that I, that would be. I would respect him so much if he was just like. For the rest, we're o oh9 and one. Our season is obviously lost. We're going to become the most innovative, interesting, bizarre, must watch team in the NFL. We're going to do crazy stuff. We're gonna. We're gonna. We have four quarterbacks on this roster. All four of them are. We're going to design a play for all four of them. They're, yeah. they're, two of them are going to line up as wideouts. We're going to run a quadruple reverse flea flicker. <laughs> Like like Tim Boyle is going to throw a touchdown pass to Jared Goff and it's going to be amazing. I I just I don't know why you don't do that. And it's like there's something about he's so like manly and like we're going to we're tough and we're this and we're that and whatever that I think that it's he probably feels like I'm I'm not going in for that for that wussy stuff. You know, like, we're going to be hard-nosed. We're going to win in the trenches. (laughs) You've lost in the trenches, man. It's over. Like, the battle is over. The trench
1: battle is over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you got to be into guerrilla warfare at this point. Like, that's the only option you have to make your season interesting. And also for morale. Like, if you're on that team like wouldn't you be more excited to come to work if you were like hey we have 12 trick plays that we're going to run <laughs> right. and we're going to and we're going to run all of them they play that as we talked about on the mothership they play the bears on thanksgiving at 9:30 in the morning on yeah. the west coast <laughs> like make that worth our while make it be i want like I'm not going to watch that game because who in the world would do that to him or herself? That's right. But if I got a text from a friend that said, are you watching this Lions-Bears game? <laughs> the Lions have run seven trick plays in the first half. I would totally tune in and start watching.
1: Yeah. No. Do you know the story about Steve Spurrier when he took the job at Duke? So no. he, be- he became the head coach at Duke. And, and then he had the, t- the school run some sort of contest asking people to guess what the first play was going to be. (laughs) And then it ended up being like he, the first play of the game was literally some double reverse pitch back to the quarterback, throw back to the running back. Like it was some insane play. And I thought, first of all, that's awesome. Okay. I mean, like Mm -hmm. Steve Spurrier is such a mix of awesome and horrifying. It's, it's, it's really, really quite hilarious, but I thought that was awesome. And I thought, well, why, why, I mean, obviously they're not all crazy like Steve Spurrier, but why in the world, like you're Dan Campbell. Okay, maybe you can't be that kind of charismatic, interesting coach, but you can try to pick up a first down, third and 14, down three, three minutes left in the game, and you're winless. Like what what in the world would passing the ball there, like what is the risk? what the risk is that he throws a pick that's like returned for a touchdown and you lose by 10 instead of three. Like, I don't even understand what the risk is. You know,
0: the phrase nothing left to lose. Yes. (laughs) Could have literally be invent been invented for this year's lions. That's right. If, if it didn't exist, someone would write it now (laughs) in a column about this year's lions. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. My second pick is it's not, as dramatic a play as any of these that we're talking about. but it's the take foul in the NBA. Yeah. So there's 13 seconds left. Uh, a team is up by, call it three. Right. The other team is inbounding the ball at half court after a timeout. Yeah, the the team that's up by three has a foul to give, right. The ball is inbounded. The guy gets the ball up at the logo he dribbles three times and then the guy just reaches in and fouls him yeah. intentionally and now there are 9.8 seconds left and you're in the exact same situation you were before except by the way like with the intentional walk you now have no margin for error because right. if you foul them again no matter what the team is going to the free throw line and maybe that's, that's right. what you want if you're up if you're up by 3 that might be what you want but it, yeah. sometimes you're up by 2 or you're up by 1 and it's like it it is a it is a play that does nothing except delay the exciting thing from That's happening. That's right. Yeah. It's just a boring and 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 I feel like out of it's almost out of a sense of like strategic obligation. The coach will say, "Hey, we have a foul to give, so after a few seconds, foul them." Yeah. And then and but they're not thinking through like to what end? What like right. what's the what's the point? Like it, there are cer- there are certain situations where it actually makes sense. Like, for example, if there are 3.2 seconds left yeah. and they inbound the ball and a second and a half goes by and then you foul the guy yeah. before he can get the shot off, now it's hard to inbound the ball with a second and a half and get off a good shot. So I get it then, but they do it even when there are 20 seconds left oh, or yeah. 15 seconds left or 10 seconds left, and it changes exactly nothing about this situation. And by the way... The I was reminded of this recently. It often backfires. Recently, the Celtics were playing a game where they were up. They they were playing the Mavericks, and they were the game was tied, and the Mavs had uh, the ball went out of bounds, and there were eight. I think there were eight seconds left on the shot clock, and there were thirteen seconds left or fifteen seconds left on the game clock, and the Celtics had a foul to give. So they inbounded the ball. And so the Celtics are going to get the ball back. Even yeah. if the Mavs score, the Celtics are getting the ball back. Yeah. So they inbound the ball and Marcus Smart, thinking in his head, we have a foul to give, fouls Luca. Reset. And so now, so now the shot clock resets. Yes. And there are 12 seconds left. And the Celtics aren't going to get the ball back. And Luca dribbles around and then like a maniac hits like a crazy 30-foot away three-pointer at the buzzer and they lose the game. Yeah. And it was just the most infuriating way to lose. And I do feel like they lost in part because it's like, hey, if we have a foul to give, you don't have to foul the people. You don't have to use up all your fouls. You're not penalized if you don't use up all your fouls. But he just was like, oh, we have a foul to give. So I'm going to foul him and it, and it actually lost them the game essentially. So I just, I hate it as a boring play and I hate it as a play that often much like the, much like, uh, you know, the goal line fade. It's like a thing that just is in players heads as an option. It should be taken away. The default setting should not be. If we have a foul to give, we should give the foul. It should be deployed much more strategically than it is.
1: Yeah, no, I, Totally agree. I think all strategic fouls suck. I, I think every, you know, all kinds of strategic fouls are the worst. That's why I'm a big proponent of the elim ending, by the way. For uh, I think taking the clock away entirely, yeah, uh, at the ends of games is is uh, is a better way of playing. But that leads to to my third pick, which is pretty. That's it's it's somewhat related, and that is the back-to-back timeouts in the NBA. The, I mean. Man, do I hate that. I just, (laughs) right? It's like, okay, you call the timeout and then they go out and then they call, the other team calls the timeout because they wanted to see how you were going to set up, which to me is like, first of all, unbelievably stupid. Because one, they're not going to set up that way again. Uh, So there's nothing really for you to prepare for and then if you do prepare for something different then they might set up that way again like i don't like everything about that does not add any strategic value to the game plus i just think fundamentally there should not be you should not be allowed to call back to back timeouts like that should literally not be allowed so you come in you call timeout and then you try to get the ball back in let's like you shouldn't be allowed on either team so Celtics are playing the Lakers. Celtics call timeout to set up a play. They send people out. Lakers are not allowed to call the timeout at that point. That's
0: it. Interesting. The,
1: the timeout's already been called, so you're not allowed to. This is it. One, one time. We're not all going to sit here and wait for you guys to decide when to play this. Let's go. And the Celtics are also not allowed to call timeout if they can't get the ball in. So that's it. Like One timeout is all you get. And, and I, I feel quite strongly that all timeouts do or add boring. Well, it just, it's, it's, it needs more Geico commercials. I got to watch. I don't want to watch. <laughs> I'm done. I don't need any more Geico commercials.
0: If the end, the NBA is, is a pretty great fan experience. I would yeah. say watching games, the games go by really quickly. The action is continuous. There's sometimes five, six, seven, eight minutes of continuous action. It's great. It's, it's great. great. The, the, the problem is that in the last 90 seconds Ugh. of a close game, it can be 29 minutes where oh. every ball that bounces yeah. off uh, someone's foot and rolls out of bounds is reviewed. Yep. There's a timeout, then they inbound the ball, then there's a foul, then there's a, then the free throws, then there's another timeout. Then there's another contested thing that someone challenges a call. It's, it can get really unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on board. My official position is I'm on board with your get rid of back to back time. There
1: we go. Clean it up. I love it.
0: Um, my third pick is um, is the kickoff in football. <laughs>
1: Thank en- you.
0: Enough. 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 <laughs> enough. Like the, they've made all these rules. They kick it from five yards further than they used to. And they they've tried to they've they keep doing these things to try to eliminate guys running back kicks. And they now anytime anybody runs back a kick, they get to the 16 yard line (laughs) and then are tackled. And it's like, why didn't you just just kneel? The kickoff should become I get it for ceremony, right? For ceremony, it makes a certain amount of sense. You start the game that way. It should be exactly essentially what the center uh, tip-off. court tip off is yeah. it begins the game in a ceremonial way and then that's it and you if you want to start the second half that way too that's fine but enough put the ball at the 25 goddamn yard line <laughs> and start playing again there is no need at all for the kickoff 80% of them are are touchbacks now and the ones that are run out never result in anything resembling excitement Like if a guy gets to the thirty, you're like, ooh, that's not bad. (laughs) And it that's five yards past where they would have been
1: so dangerous. They're so crazy
0: dangerous. On the rare occasions when someone actually runs the ball out, that person is almost (laughs) always injured. What are we doing? What are we doing? End this madness. Just put the ball at the twenty five and start playing again. It is the, the sport will speed up. It'll be more fun. It won't we won't waste all this dumb time. I mean, they've literally they moved the ball five yards forward. The guys can't take a running start as if that makes any difference, as if right. they aren't all at top speed, like five yards into their run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so absurd. And I it's just this weird thing where they're desperately clinging to this bizarre tradition. And, uh, and it's and it's just boring and slows the game down. Get rid of it.
1: Well, there was something I noticed in yesterday's game, and I, I, it's not something that we all haven't seen or fully understand, but it's something I noticed that I was thinking about the difference between football and baseball. And the Browns were punting. I think the Browns were punting. and No, I think it was the Lions, actually. The Lions were punting, and the ball went way over the, 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 uh, the, the return guy's head, and then it bounced at, like, the one, and then it, like, trickled into the end zone. And it ended up being a tough because the Lions guy stepped uh, inside the the uh, end zone when he touched the ball, so that's why it ended up being uh, a touchback. And I'm like, oh, it's great, it's a touchback, okay. And then I looked, and the Browns started the game at the twenty, and I thought, oh, that's right. On punts, touchbacks go back to the twenty, and on kickoffs, mm-hmm. they go to the twenty-five. And I thought, you know how insane baseball fans would go if there was some incongruity like that, like literally where it's like two kicks, one goes in the end zone, it goes to the 20, one goes in the end zone, it goes to the 25. This is what they're doing in, 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 with, with foot. They're so, they're like, well, logic be damned, everything be damned. We're going to try to figure out a way to keep the kickoffs, even though, there are always penalties and people are always getting hurt and there's no excitement. And the only thing that makes any sense for anybody is to just catch the ball in the end zone or watch it just go over your head and not try to return it enough. I mean, like, look, I understand that it used to be really fun to watch Cale Sayers or, or white shoes Johnson or, or somebody like that return kicks. I get that that is some, but that does not exist anymore. Correct. It does not exist. And we ain't getting it back. And so enough, move on. I'm. Mm -hmm. uh, By the way, I'm willing to make an official position, official position. Get rid of the kickoff. Kickoff suck. I'm I'm ready. There we go. I'm ready. All right. With my fourth pick, I'm going to go into the world of soccer because I I would call myself a moderate soccer fan. I enjoy Mm -hmm. watching. I don't. I've never really come up with a team that I just go crazy for and love. I know you and. And uh, and Brandon have been pushing me to become a Liverpool guy, and and uh, and I like Liverpool because of that. But I I can't quite get myself to fall in love with them. They're too good, probably. You know, like like that's part of it. You
0: it's hard to join a successful team at the height at the height of their success. Like they won the Champions League recently. They won the EPL. It, it feels I'm sure for you it feels like jumping on a bandwagon yeah, which a long time Liverpool right. fans we went through the suffering of of uh, heartbreak and loss and so yeah I, but I, I would still recommend Liverpool if you want to choose a winner, Liverpool is the most fun successful team because they don't have a lot of they have a history of heartbreak which i think is necessary yes. for a guy who roots for the cleveland browns and the kansas city royals <laughs> and teams like that like you can't just say like oh i'm going to root for chelsea now right because right. what's no, the no. fun of that or manchester's so, or, or either of them yeah. yeah and also Man U sucks right now i mean in a which in a is, way that is completely delightful it's really
1: I, I have enjoyed that i have found i have found that to be delightful. So I don't know that, I mean, I'm sort of feel a little bit like an imposter jumping in on something I really don't like about soccer, but man, the kickback to the goalie just drives me nuts. It just <laughs> drives me absolutely nuts. I'm watching the end of the Liverpool game. And again, they're up for nil and, and it doesn't, and, and Arsenal's wearing yellow jerseys that made me want to throw up. I mean, they were just so horrendous. Terrible. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. And then Liverpool's running out the clock, which is what you do in such situations, but it just means a bunch of kickbacks to the goalkeeper. And and put, and put I just like, man, I that just shouldn't be allowed. I get that it is. I just That just shouldn't be allowed. And of course, that's like the big thing like when you're watching the World Cup and you're watching Spain and they're just, you know, they're just beep, 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 just back and forth and they all back to the goalie and then back up and then back to the goalie. And it's like, ugh, I hate it. I really, really don't like it.
0: All right, so you chose the right sport and the right idea but the wrong sports play. Oh, okay. Because the actual best version of what you're talking about is dribbling into the corner. Okay. That that I is the that, w- that, that, that is, is the that. sports play that needs to that needs to be gotten rid of. So, because to my mind like kicking back to the goalie, it's just it, it, like they do that throughout the game anyway. Like yeah, there are plenty do. of times in when you're not trying to run off the clock that you're also like you've got the ball in your own half it and, the, reset. and the, they're resetting and they're kind of avoiding the other team is pressing. And you're kind of like, all right, we need to use our goalie here as like a backstop to, 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 you know, to avoid the pressure dribbling into the corner as a time waster oh. is you're in the offensive part of the field <laughs> and you are deciding that instead of actually trying to put together an offensive set, or a, some kind of play or link up in some way in order to make an attack on the goal. You're literally just like, I'm gonna go over here and just try to stop you from kick touching the ball. And just like and they're just kind of wrestling and like oh, using their you like blocking each other out. And then ultimately one of two things happens. They all fall down and, and the ball kind of dribbles out of bounds. The best case scenario is a corner, which is fine. But more often than not, the offensive player knocks the ball out of bounds one yard um, above the flag, which yeah. means that then the, the defensive team has a throw in from the worst possible place. It's just a mess. And, it, and also like what you get out of it, in an ideal situation is you waste like seven seconds. Right. Like it's not, it's not like, um, taking a knee in football yeah. Yeah. where you are like, that's 40 seconds where right. you're draining the clock. This is like a five to seven second thing. That, it, that then leads to something also very boring <laughs> happening. It's just it's just awful. I and teams seem in my mind, teams seem to do it less now than they used to. I feel like there's less dribbling into the corner than there used to be, but when it does happen, it's just so deflating. It's like, yeah. oh no, don't do that. like I get why you're doing it. I understand this. like you've basically like you know you're up two to one and there's four and a half minutes left and you've only you've you've subbed out a striker for another defensive midfielder <laughs> and so there's only one guy up there so there's no one even to pass to and you're just trying to waste time but it it's like the take foul it's like a kind of like just you're wait you're you're trading anything interesting happening for like 4 seconds yeah. of advantage and it it's just it's so it's always like a, a it's really deflating when it happens it's always very de- I'm always as a fan just like oh god this thing is happening
1: you know what I haven't seen that much of this year uh, and, and maybe even last year? I'm, I don't know if it's – it seemed like for a long time there, like when – especially when like a defensive guy was was taking a little bit of a dive uh, to get the foul, they would fall on the ball like with their hands. They Like, they, like to force the official – the referee to make the call. Yeah. Right? and the referee always called the foul. The referee never called handball there in that situation. They like they would that guy would fall, fall on the ball, like, oh, like I'm I'm a complete prisoner of, of of uh of inertia here. I can't do anything but fall on the ball with my hands on the ball. And then they force the call. I haven't noticed that being called as much this year. There's
0: all those all those sort of like lame tricks that they pull where, like, yeah. you know, like they it in soccer has a lot of um there's a lot of like subtle gamesmanshipy stuff that goes on. Like when, a, when a guy's taking a penalty, the, the team that, uh, uh, who is on the, on defense will like, they'll argue with the, with the ref for like two and a half minutes <laughs> in order. And the, and the ball is placed at the spot. Yeah. and the guy's ready to take it and but they just they argue and argue and argue and then the goalkeeper will walk off and get some water and then he'll come up and have a conference with someone and then some of the defenders will like casually sort of stroll at a very leisurely pace through the the through the box like between the goalie and the and the guy who's about to take the kick in order just like it's just yeah. delay delay distract delay right. like make make the make the guy think about it think about it think about it like there's all that sort of gamesmanship that happens and it's, it's sometimes you don't mind it because in that moment, it's like the tension is building and it's kind yeah, of fun. Agreed. But in those moments where it's like, you're protecting a two goal lead and you're taking a dive and you kind of like fall on the ball. And then you kind of kick the ball kind of like squirts away. And then someone goes and gets it and then walks up and they talk to the ref. And it's just like, it's just that just wasting time, wasting time, wasting time. it yeah. gets really boring.
1: So now is, is uh, going to the corner, your fourth pick is that. Is, That's my fourth pick. That is your fourth pick. All right. So my fifth pick, you just mentioned it. And I've got a few that I could go with, but I'm, I'm just going to go with the kneel down at the end of NFL games. And here's the problem with the kneel down. I mean, there are a lot of problems with it. Um, but we now have become so like used to the fact that NFL games are really only 58 minutes long. Like we've become completely accustomed. To that. Like it does, not, it does not even throw us at all that a team can literally waste the last two minutes of the game by just kneeling on the ball. Like there's no other sport that allows you to do that. There's no other sport that says like, yeah, you know what? You guys are, you guys are up and we wasted our timeouts. So you now, you don't even have to play anymore. That's it. You guys get to run off, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, of the, of the game. You just get to run that off. terrible. Horrible. You know, I don't know what you do to fix it um, because I mean like things that they do like in college football or worse, like the whole idea that, like you first downs, they stop the clock and stuff like that, just which is <laughs> horrendous. It makes like the games last eight hours. Um, you know that uh, Lamar Hunt, when who is was the uh, the late Lamar Hunt, who was the founder of the AFL and the uh, founder of the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a rule. He had a, a thing in his mind, which was kind of interesting, where in the last two minutes of a game, if you did not pick up yardage, the clock stopped. So, mm. like, the idea was that, like, you, yeah, you could still run out the clock, but you can't just fall back and kneel. You actually have to gain a yard.
0: Interesting. For it
1: in order to, so So, basically, you had one last <laughs> shot as a defensive team, which was if they ran the ball, if you could stuff them behind the line, you would stop the clock which i i think is a really interesting idea probably would create 12% more injuries so i mean i'm yeah. i'm sure i'm sure there's a reason not to do it but i do like that i hate that like like that just that just stinks it just stinks that you like even in that browns game that i was talking about with the lions um you know the lions had three timeouts and they kind of stopped the They didn't stop the Browns, but they kind of like stopped the clock and and the Browns had to actually pick up a couple of first downs to get there, which was interesting. But even then, the last minute and a half of the game, they got to run out by just kneeling on the ball. I just I wish there was a way to stop that because it's boring.
0: All right. Two quick things to say about not about this, about related issues. We yes. have talked on this podcast many times about the most absurd thing in sports which is the chain, the chain gang yes. in and uh, measuring a first down. How how absurd the spots are, how in, yes. how imprecise they are then how imprecise the <laughs> way, uh, the the units of measurement are. There was one game and I wish I remember what it was. There was one game I was watching yesterday wherein there was a a play in which the ball was spotted and they marked it as a first down and it was very very close. Then the opposing coach complained, they, and they moved the chains. The opposing <laughs> coach complained, and then the refs got together, and they moved the chains back to where they had been and then came out to measure it. And, and they determined that by one inch, it was indeed a first down. And I, I was like, this is a new low. The idea that they, the guys pick up the chains and run ahead, set them down, and then, okay, wait, no, go back to where we were. Were, and yeah. then they magically ran back to exactly <laughs> where they were. And the announcers were like, well, see, they have a clip and they put this clip down at a certain place. And so they, they're going back and they know where that clip was. And that's oh, how they, they know. Don't. No, they don't. I mean, the, uh, it was truly amazing. I, I, I was, I, I was like rushing to try to like screen record it. Cause I was like, <laughs> this is a, an absolute new low for this concept. Here's the other quick thing to say about this. Yes. So in 2002, 2003, I was working at Saturday Night Live and I had an original Xbox in my office. And Seth Myers and I, and a bunch of other people, used to play Madden football against each other. Seth is a Steelers fan, I'm a Patriots fan. So we would play as the Steelers and Patriots all the time. We would play seasons and then we would get to the playoffs. And then we would always ended up playing each other in the playoffs. So in an AFC Championship game on Madden, uh, the pa- it was hard fought game. We took it very seriously. Sure, the Patriot and we had the reason I bring this up a no kneel down rule. You couldn't you couldn't like let that. you couldn't let the clock drain. You had to like basically call your play, get to the thing, and and snap the ball. Yep, and and we had a no kneel down rule. So the Patriots were up, I think three or four points with like. 26 seconds left in the game (laughs) and there's no kneel down rule. So I called a running play to Antoine Smith and uh, I pitched him the ball and I was running, basically running like parallel trying to waste as much time as I could. (laughs) And the Steelers linebacker, I don't remember who it was or maybe it was Troy Polamalu. I don't know. Uh, Seth took him over and he came up and stripped the ball out of Antoine Smith's hands, picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. And I think it's the angriest I have ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I don't think I, I still obviously 20 years later, I've not fully recovered. No, like, I'm still, no. I still you? remember. I remember the play. I remember the feeling of fury and anger and it has not dissipated even 1%. <laughs> That's just a little, little, little behind the scenes. <laughs> story from my days. I, I,
1: I love that so much. And by the way, there's nothing more painful. I was playing my friend, uh, Jim in uh stratomatic football. Uh, and, uh, and we took our games. I mean, they were, they were truly to the death and I was, I don't even remember. I was the Packers and he was, Oh, whoever, no, maybe he was the Packers and I was somebody else. Anyway, I don't even remember the teams, but I remember the exact situation. I was up by two and it was the it were the last play of the game. Basically, we were down to the last play of the game. And he had like a 54-yard field goal by his kicker, who was not good enough to make a 54-yard field goal. And uh, he missed it, the field goal. And I won, except for I jumped offside. So I jumped offside. So now he had a 49-yard field goal to win the game. And uh, he kicked it, and he missed it. And I jumped offside. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that is impossible. That would never happen in a real NFL game. I would tell my guys, don't even like, but you know yeah, what? Back
0: up, back up, back, yeah, away. Just back up. Back up. Don't even, don't even be away. on the line.
1: Yeah. Don't even be on the line. But, but you know what? He said, Jim said this at that time, and he was right. It's like possible. It really is. Like your thing is not possible because you would kneel. But right. if you were not allowed to kneel, that is absolutely possible.
0: Did he did he then hit, I assume hit the forty? He made the forty-four yard
1: field goal to win the game. Yeah. 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 No. And I've never I'm never living that down.
0: No, yeah. never getting over it. No. You'll take it to your grave. Uh, my final my final pick is very, very specific and minor, not nearly at the level of these other things. Okay. There is a play in the NFL where quarterback is in the shotgun, a yep. running back stands to his right or left. Yep. And here's what happens. The quarterback takes the snap, ha- hands it directly to the running back, and then fakes a throw to the <laughs> wide receiver who is to the opposite side as, yeah. as the running back runs straight forward through the line. Right. Not a single defensive player (laughs) in history has ever been fooled by the empty handed fake throw to the to the split out wide receiver. Not once. No No. middle. No middle linebacker has ever taken even the slightest step in that direction. No free safety has ever edged in that direction. No defensive lineman has ever thought, "Uh oh, he's throwing (laughs) a bubble screen. I have to get out there quick to try to tackle that guy. It has never affected a defensive player. One percent, one time. And yet every single game, (laughs) every single quarterback does it. It's a a version of a thing that Brady used to do all the time where they they had a play that they ran to perfection a number of times, which was, in fact, including in the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers, in which on a two point conversion, they direct snapped it to Kevin Falk and Brady jumped up in the air and turned around as if the ball had been snapped over his head. That's a different thing. It's a different thing. It also has never worked. No one, no defensive player ever thought the ball was actually snapped over his head. Because here's the thing. The defensive players have eyes and their eyes allow them to see things. And if they if the ball were snapped over Tom Brady's head, all of the defensive players would be able to see that with their eyes and their their neural system. And yet he did it every time. Now. Kevin Falk did score. He did convert that two-point conversion, and they did it again, I believe, in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. They, did, they ran the same exact play. But the, in in both cases, it's just like a little bit of chaos in, in that moment. What I'm talking about is the, the the ball's handed off, and then with an open hand, right. standing okay. right where he was standing, yeah. he fakes a throw over there. That's never worked. And I just, I want them to just like, just give it up, man. They're not going for it. They're not, it is not going to gain your running back any more yards. Just give the guy the ball, have some dignity. Just give give the running back the ball and see what happens. I don't understand why they keep pretending that they're throwing the ball wide to the wide receiver.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, see, like the brainy play. I, I, that doesn't bother me as much. Look, there's nothing else Tom Brady for him to do on that play. It's a dream right. snap, right? So, like at at some point, I mean, I, I don't think it matters. But yeah, he jumps up, he pretends. It's a little bit like that. Remember that great Miami University baseball pickoff play where where like the, the guy faked the throw to first, and then they all ran after a baseball that yeah didn't exist. Like I like okay, I could see you know. But the play that you're talking about drives me crazy for kind of a little bit of a different reason, which is, let's say that you, it was going to be effective. I've never seen anybody in the history of the NFL fake that handoff and then instantly throw the ball to the left. Like, like if you're going to yeah. do it, like drop back and pretend to like you're going to like you're looking down. Like what they usually do is they give the ball away and then instantly within a second fake a throw to the left like instantly do that that's not a play nobody's ever done here's the
0: thing there is a version of this play that i believe would would be more effective right which is hand the ball off and then sprint to your left yeah because go. they then the defense might think, oh, this is like a Philly special type of deal. Right. Someone someone if there's a spy. Now, this would obviously be more effective if it were Lamar Jackson yeah. or even Justin Herbert, some guy who can actually run. But if he sprinted to the left, it's possible that there's a linebacker whose job is to spy the quarterback. Yeah. And so they might actually run with the quarterback to the left just to just to say, like, oh, this guy might be receiving a pass. From this running back that might work and also it's not dangerous to just run to your left that's not dangerous or anything you're not putting your quarterback in any danger that might actually have some effect on the defensive player the fake pass does not the fake pass has never again for one second worked one percent on one defensive player ever in history
1: well no the browns actually had a play like you're talking about they they had a direct snap to jarvis landry uh and they split out baker mayfield right and it worked in in not the way the browns wanted it to work they went they like the 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 lions went to cover baker mayfield right and by doing that they left the the whole middle of the field open and Jarvis landry ran for a touchdown so like if you can create some level of confusion that's one thing but the fake handoff instant fake throw to the i mean the real handoff Instant fake throw to the left. Stupid. Just I guess
0: what we're saying is we know more than offensive coordinators. Oh, in the yeah. NFL. yeah. Well,
1: that, I think that goes without saying.
0: Yeah. Well, all let's right. say it anyway.
1: <laughs> we are in so much trouble with the with the goons. I got to tell you. How I mean, long
0: have we been talking?
1: Well, we've been this thing is all is more than 50 minutes now. And our first one, I think, topped an hour, which they what did they tell us? Like, literally, they said one hour or less.
0: Yeah. And then they showed us a bunch of x-rays of broken legs.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. And they
0: were they were brandishing out. They were slapping a baseball bat into their hand, <laughs> into the palm of their hand. Like uh, like uh, like mobsters from the 1940s. It
1: was one guy was flipping a coin like that guy, like he was just like, Yeah, you know, it was just it was, <laughs> like,
0: like Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. It was really bad. <laughs> it was it was very scary.
1: All right, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's
0: one last meaningless Thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa it's one last wall.
1: And uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first?
0: Sure, I'll go first. This is going to sound like a joke and it's not. Um I for my wife's birthday, I bought her some of those AirTags, you know, those things Apple makes with are yeah. they're little they're little discs that you can you hook up to your Bluetooth and right. you can Combined then put stuff. them on you can so I was like my our son is like losing his backpack all the time and right. and stuff like that. So you can you can put them in little key rings and hang them on your keys and that way you can always find your keys. And I was like, "Oh, you know, we're always losing stuff like everybody is." I'll buy her some AirTags. So uh, uh, you buy them in packs of four. I put one of them on my son's uh, backpack. I put one of them on her keys, and then before I paired them with my phone, I lost the other two AirTags. <laughs> and it's like a, it's like a Buddhist, it's like a Zen cone. Like I, yes. like what do you do? How do you find the thing that you bought to help you find things? I don't know what to do. I've looked everywhere. I can't find them.
1: <laughs> you, you literally need to get air tags for your air tags.
0: Correct. And and even if I did, I wouldn't be able to find them because I don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is this is how is this not a commercial for Apple? I by the way, this is. <laughs>
0: I mean, come on. Wait, like waste ninety dollars is the that's the ad. Whatever. Here's a way that you can waste ninety. <laughs> waste
1: 90, how, how did your wife like that as a gift? By the way,
0: she did like it, and it's helped us. Uh, we it's helped us locate. Our son has lost his bag like twice sure. since I got them. This was I got them back in August, and I I look on my phone. I'm like, oh, they're at they're at school. You left your bag at school. That's where there you we know where it is. Don't worry about it. You don't need to fret. It's at school or whatever. And so it, they, they've worked well. It's a good product. It's like a smart idea for a product. It yes. works well, but it doesn't work well if you lose them <laughs> you before lose. you, you connect them to your phone,
1: <laughs> you lose half of your stock. That is not great. That's right. All right. I got my one last meaningless thing. Is actually very, I I'm, I'm going to say right up front. It is, it is a bit, uh, it is a bit egotistical and uh, and, but I'm just going to say it because it is, Very much meaningless and very much been on my mind. So I wrote a book.
0: What? I know.
1: I know. I know. You
0: ought to. Why is this the first I'm hearing of this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Especially because it's been out like for a few weeks now. It's crazy. Uh, You ought to write a book, by the way. I'm just saying that you ought to do it.
0: I'm going to blow your mind.
1: No, come on. Uh, I already did. No.
0: It's called How to Be Perfect. It comes out January 25th uh, from Simon & Schuster. Oh, my uh, gosh. yeah. 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 No, But Listen, I but I haven't heard about your book. What's your book about?
1: No, it's, it's interesting because, uh, by the way, I'm just going to give you a little advice. You ought to let people know. If you're going to write a book, I mean, that's it's a lot of it work.
0: Feels, it feels braggy to, to <laughs> talk about how you wrote a book. I, we'll I wait, don't know.
1: We'll wait till you hear this one. So my book is called The Baseball 100, and it's uh, um, uh, by Simon & Schuster as well. I have it at Reader Press. is the imprint. And uh, it is done uh, exceedingly well. I, I've been very... Uh, lucky and humbled by how well it is done. It has been a New York Times bestseller. It is, continues to sell at a uh, very, very fast clip. And I'm so grateful to all of the people who buy it. But here's the thing authors do you'll find this out. Authors often will go to their Amazon page. Just to see where they rank in oh the world of Amazon. I know it's it's a it's a very egotistical thing to do, but but it's but we do it. We do it. Amazon knows we do it. That's why they put these rankings up. And uh, so so I will occasionally go to Amazon to see where is my book rank. You know, in the in the is it in the top thousand? You know, is it the top uh, seven hundred and fifty? Whatever it is. Okay. Well, part of this is that that Amazon has uh, a, a system where they allow people to, uh, you know, give your book a rating like for number of stars. Right. Sure. And, 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 and they will actually, you know, review your book. Now I will recommend to you this. I don't think I need to, because you already are like this. You don't read those reviews. Those no. reviews are not meant not for enough. you to read. Them, okay. You don't want to read them. There was a time when I used to read them. And I remember I, 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 uh, The first time that I realized I never, ever needed, it was several books ago, but it was one of the books I wrote and it it got a one-star review from somebody. And I was really like, oh my God, a one-star review. What, wow, they really hated this book. And then I looked and basically the the comment underneath it was cover was torn, like literally. (laughs) So, So I'm like, you know what? These are not for me. These are not for me. So I will never look at those. However, at the top, unavoidable, you will see how many stars is the average for your review, sure, right? Yes, and and I've been again, bless all of you people out there. The the book has has done very well, but here's something that I noticed, and and I wish I hadn't, but I did. If your average is four point seven stars, which is very very good. Mm-hmm. It will look like four and a half stars on the on the uh on the little star system. Like when sure. you look at it, it'll show four gold stars and then like a half a gold star. But if it's four point eight, it'll look like five stars, right? Mm. So the difference between four point seven and four point eight is literally that fifth star either looking like it's half filled or being completely filled. And that should not make a difference. None of that should make a difference, but it does make a difference. In your mind, when you see it, you go, oh, that's a five-star book, or that's kind of a -a four-and-a-half-star book. That's not the same thing. And my book, The Baseball 100, available now, uh, has gone back and forth between 4.7 and 4.8
0: stars.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so literally every day when I go look to see, oh, how's the book doing – I will see like, oh, it's at 4.8 today. Oh, it's a 4.7 today. So I, I just tell you this, it's, it's incredibly meaningless and, and pointless, and it doesn't matter if it's 4.7 or 4.8, and I'm so grateful to all these people, but – that has been very much on my
0: mind. See, I think the corrective measure here is to allow reviewers to give a number of stars that are accurate to eight or ten decimal points. <laughs> you know, you should be able to give the book 4.7445448426 5, 4, or yeah. whatever. And that way you'll know it's a it's a scientific measurement of how good the book is. Because that's, that's what you want. Really you want point. science. You want you want you want this to be scientific, right? Well, and, that's
1: that's a good point. Right yeah. now. You got it. Like, you might think like, "Ah, I've got it between four and five stars. They don't give you that option.
0: I'm going to, if they, if they, if they do this. Yes. I'm going to go to the Amazon page and give your book a rating of four point (laughs) seven (laughs) four nine 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 nine,
1: Which would be perfect. And just like, oh, it just, it, it, it would just. Just leave it just a touch short.
0: Yep. Of just the, one. Just yeah. one little tiny one ten millionth of a star below where it <laughs> but, needs to be. But
1: but yet it would look on there like it was four and a half stars. Which, That's right.
0: That's what I want. <laughs> I just uh, I I just want you to feel a small amount of pain, like you and Jerry Jones. You I, I want you to feel the same amount of pain as Jerry Jones.
1: Do you think you will be the kind of author who will fall for going to Amazon and looking at your rating?
0: So briefly, because the goons are going to yell at us if we yes. make this too much longer, but I, I obviously like I ha- have dealt with this in TV reviews, yes, and I think I've told this story before. But I I have largely not entirely, but largely stopped reading reviews of anything Smart. that I make in TV. And it came from a moment where uh, we did an episode of I used to obsessively read all of them like uh, Parks and Recreation, wow. The Office and Parks and Rec bridged a, 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 a moment in television where it went from no one wrote about TV to everyone wrote <laughs> about TV. Every blog, yes. every outlet, every place started not just reviewing the pilot and the finale but of all it, episodes. But every individual episode yeah. and grading them on a five star system or a 10 point system or whatever. So it was it, I found it intoxicating and impossible to avoid to to read all of these reviews we did an episode and i think the fourth season where i was like this is a great episode the 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 story was great the script was great the read-through was great when we we dan gore who i created brooklyn 99 with directed it and he did a great job and it turned out great the first cut was great the second cut was great the final cut was great the episode aired it was a christmas episode holiday episode we we uh it it aired I went and read the 35 different blogs that reviewed every episode. Every single one of them said, this was great. They were all like, what a great episode. Great, 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 funny, great, 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 funny, funny, great, great, great. And I got to the end of the like 38 different blogs, and I found that I was no happier or more satisfied Than I was before I started reading them. And I thought, like, well, listen, I had a really rational check-in where I was like, this is as good as it gets. Like I like I can't, I can't make anything that will ever be better received than this. Like every single person who saw this said that they really thought it was great. And if this doesn't make me happy, then I realized. Nothing about this system can ever make me happy, right. and I and I went cold turkey. Now, occasionally, if I start a new show or if something, if there's a really big episode or something that I think is controversial or whatever, I will go to a couple critics whose opinions I genuinely respect, and I will check in and see what they think of it. So but, not Seppinwall. <laughs> no, no, anyone but anyone but Seppenwall. <laughs> but I do, I do in general avoid yeah. reviews. Now the problem is uh, that this is the first book I've ever written. So right. this is like a new thing. This is intoxicating and, and, and new and fresh and interesting. And I don't know that I have the intestinal fortitude to avoid reading reviews of the book. I know that if I indulge in that instinct, there are going to be people who don't like it and it's going to wound me and make me feel sad yeah. about myself. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to really try not to do it. Although the the first couple reviews have already trickled in, and the marketing people at Simon and Schuster have sent them to me. Yes, they'll and, only
1: send you the good ones, though.
0: Yes, right. They will they, only and, send
1: you the good ones. You will not get a bad review from Simon from
0: Simon and Schuster, Simon Schuster right. right? So, so the and and it was a relief when they were good, which they both were. Yes. Um, it was a it was a relief, and I felt like oh thank God, but I also felt that tug. Of like ooh, uh, institutional gratification. Like there, is, it is a real. It's a real pull. It's yeah. a gravitational. It's like a tractor beam that like sucks you in. And the problem is, if you buy into it, then you have to buy into the negative thing. That's that right. That's why so, you can't
1: buy into
0: it. Yeah. So I've I I. I my goal is to not read the reviews, and I don't know if I'm a strong enough person to well, actually follow through.
1: Um, I think you'll probably be pretty good. I like I I'll read some of the main reviews. I I don't read every review. I can read the reviews people send me. People will generally not send you bad reviews, so that's right. good. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is going to Amazon and looking to see how many books your books are that
0: selling. I will that I think you I will, will not do, do that. You no, will. I I really, oh you you're I really wrong. I think I won't.
1: Okay, I'm just telling you. If your book, you'll you'll you know early on, your book gets into like number eighty six on Amazon, seventy five. You'll start watching. I'm yeah, just telling you, right. yeah,
0: <laughs> Like I like I, I I'm a I'm a weak and flawed human being, and so we I all, I, we, we I, believe, are. I believe I uh, believe you're probably right about that. But I hope <laughs> to do. How about this? I hope to do it as little as possible.
1: As little as possible. That's, That's fair. All okay. All. That's all, I need is all right. Well, the goons are after us now. So as always, Mike. Thank
0: you. Thanks for having me. p ba- 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 pausecast